I'm Paul Newby, Chief Justice of North Carolina. During this third week of October, we celebrate Conflict Resolution Week in our state. North Carolina joins with many others in celebrating the success of dispute resolution programs across our country. Our state constitution guarantees the courts shall be open and justice is to be administered without favor, denial, or delay. Our alternative resolution groups allow us to make these constitutional promises a reality. North Carolina has demonstrated a strong commitment to developing programs which promote dispute resolution processes in our courts. All of these programs give folks an opportunity to settle their issues amicably, providing hope for reconciliation. Generally, this process occurs without a heavy financial burden. Further, this helps us meet the challenge by significantly reducing the caseload in our local courthouses. Conflict Resolution Week invites us to increase awareness of conflict resolution programs as effective tools to resolve disputes, to recognize the mediators, arbitrators, and third-party neutrals among us who work to help others peacefully and constructively resolve their conflicts. On this special day of celebration, I want to acknowledge and thank each of you who on a daily basis help others resolve disputes and make our courts operate more efficiently. All rise. All rise. The Honorable Chief Justice and, and Associate, Associate Justices, Justices of the Supreme Court. Court of Hill, the State of North Carolina. Yes, oh yes, oh yes. The Supreme Court of North All Carolina. All of our citizens across the state depend upon us to uphold and protect both the spirit and the letter of the law, and to always apply the law fairly and impartially to every litigant who comes before this court. God save the state and this honorable court. Welcome to All Things Judicial, a podcast of the North Carolina Judicial Branch. I'm Chris Mears with the Communications Office. And today we're here to talk about the Dispute Resolution Commission and Conflict Resolution Day. I'm with Tara Kozlowski, Director of the Dispute Resolution Commission. Tara, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much. And I am also here with Maureen Robinson, a longtime administrative assistant for the commission. Maureen? Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, just to kick it off, um, Conflict Resolution Day is coming up in October. Tara, can you tell me a little more about that event? Absolutely. Conflict Resolution Day was originated in 2005 by the Association for Conflict Resolution. It is a celebration every year that occurs on the third Thursday of October and the third week of October. Um, the event is a beautiful way for us to celebrate uh, the opportunities um, and also the benefits that ADR provides to not only our citizens, but also to our judicial employees. Um, the celebration is global at this point and includes such organizations as the American Bar Association, Mediate BC out of British Columbia, and the ADR Institute of Canada, just to name a few. So tell me a little bit more about ADR. Um, what is that and how does it benefit the legal community? Dispute resolution um, can be any form of negotiation, 
and settlement process outside of litigation. So it will include mediation, which is a very popular form of ADR. It can also include arbitration, neutral evaluation, judicial settlement conferences, summary trials, collaborative law, both in family and civil. Um, it's a way to allow the litigants to participate in the decision-making of their future, to sit down and have a conversation, and to amicably, hopefully amicably, work out their differences without having to go to court and participate in a trial. And Conflict Resolution Day is is a recognition and celebration of, of this type of legal process and procedure? Absolutely. And it is celebrated, as I said, globally all over the world. Uh, many organizations will hold uh, free courses, education, um, all kinds of information online about how to get involved as a third-party neutral in the mediation process or arbitration process, um, how parties can utilize these services to help resolve their issues without having to file a lawsuit. And ultimately, ADR is a, a financial benefit not only for the parties engaged in the dispute, but also for the judicial branch in the state. Maureen, you've been part of the commission for a long time, um, 15 years or so. Um, so your, your depth of knowledge goes way back. Can you tell me a little bit about the events that are coming up on Conflict Resolution Day? Um, I think there's some CLEs that are involved. What is that all about? Absolutely. Uh, actually, this is the fourth year the commission will be participating in Conflict Resolution Day. Um, Due to the COVID uh, crisis, we are providing a webinar series for anyone who is interested in receiving CME, Continuing Mediator Education Credit, or CLE credit. Um, the webinar will include some very experienced mediators, including Ann Anderson, Angela Gray, Kate Dieter Meriday, and David Niblock. So it seems like we're, we're now getting into the role of the Dispute Resolution Commission. Um, what does the commission do? The North Carolina Dispute Resolution Commission was established in 1995 through legislation. The commission exercises all of its duties independently while receiving administrative support from the AOC. The commission itself has been tasked with regulating and certifying mediators who work through court-based programs in North Carolina. How many commissioners are there? Interesting that you asked. Starting today, we received a new appointment. We have a total of 18 commissioners. And what are their backgrounds? Like, what are the type of people that serve on the commission? So the General Assembly provided for each appointing authority to appoint a specific type of background to our commission. So we currently have five judges two district court, two superior court, and then one judge uh, sitting on any bench. Um, we have a district attorney, a clerk of superior court, two family financial mediators, two superior court mediators, a district criminal court mediator. We have um, three knowledgeable citizens, and then we have um, two attorneys that are not mediators, and our most recent appointment is a court staff member. So we're very excited to welcome court staff uh, to the commission. While court staff has been involved, they've been involved with um, the commission from an ex officio standpoint. So they've always had a voice. At this point, they will not have a vote. So that's a very exciting move. During a typical commission meeting, what takes place? 
Yeah, typically the commission meets um, between three and four times a year. Um, we are required to meet at least twice a year, but oftentimes we have more business to conduct, so we meet more frequently. The commission typically reviews and um, considers all proposals that are brought up from a committee level. So right now, the commission has seven standing committees and four ad hoc committees. And the commission members are distributed among those committees so they can work separately um, in between the full commission meetings. And a lot of the work is done on the backside with those individual committees um, to review rules, propose changes, recommendations made from mediators. We uh, do issue advisory opinions. Currently, we have 42 opinions on the books. And advisory opinions are very much like common law. They provide guidance on particular issues that mediators in the past have experienced. Um, so it is a book of reference for new mediators or mediators who are in the practice. When they hit an issue that they've never seen before, they can read through those opinions and kind of get an idea of how to proceed. So what is a garden variety vanilla mediation look like? The mediation process is actually fantastic, and we have specific requirements to certify our trainers and anybody who certifies as a DRC mediator must take training through one of those trainers. Um, the trainers will teach the mediators the process of mediation, the theory, the communication, as well as the rules, the statutes, the standards, um, and the legislation behind it. A typical mediation will consist of two parties um, meeting with uh, the mediator as the neutral the parties may or may not be represented. Uh, different programs work a little bit differently, so keep in mind that there are variations. But the mediator will explain the process to the parties, let them know that it is a voluntary process uh, when it comes to negotiations. Now, they're court-ordered to be there, um, but it is up to the parties and the mediator to really move into the level of negotiation and communication. So the mediator will try to work with both parties to find uh, common ground to discover the priorities, to discover the issues, and really bring to light um, concerns that either party may or may not have, and to reach a resolution that both parties are somewhat happy with. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of communication skills, and a lot of compromise by the parties. And a lot of listening, too. That you have to that. listen to the parties. That is true. That is true. Does the judge order the parties into mediation, or do they voluntarily choose to mediate? That is a brilliant question. So the Dispute Resolution Commission is responsible for five separate programs. And this is one of the biggest myths about the Dispute Resolution Commission in that typically individuals will see our name and automatically assume that we cover all forms of ADR in North Carolina. However, our enabling legislation provides that we regulate and certify mediators who work in specific programs. And each one of those specific programs has its own enabling legislation. And the General Assembly was very careful to draft the legislation to provide that the Supreme Court uh, may adopt standards of conduct for our mediators. And then each one of the programs enabling legislation also provides that the Supreme Court may adopt rules and procedures for each one of those programs. So what are some examples of those programs? Well, you have the uh, MSC program is what we call it. It's for superior court civil actions. Then you have the family financial, which is divorce. FFS is 
what we refer to it as. Then we have the district criminal court program, which works with district attorneys for minor criminal misdemeanors. We also have the farm nuisance, uh, which is a pre-litigation mediation. I don't see that being used that often. And then finally, we have the clerk mediation program, which is for estate and guardianship matters. So each of these programs operates a little bit differently. And so the Supreme Court has actually adopted rule sets, not only for the Dispute Resolution Commission and how we operate, but they've also adopted a standards of professional conduct for mediators, as well as five separate rule sets for each one of our programs. While the the rules do mirror each other a little bit, um, they do differ um, substantially regarding the cases that they, they look over. So for example, the Superior Court Program is mandated statewide. So every case that is filed in Superior Court, except for two very minor exceptions, is automatically sent into mediation. And that program operates very quickly. Um, The order to mediate uh, under the rules is supposed to be issued within 30 days of receiving the last responsive pleading. Um, And the mediator is designated within 21 days. So it is automatically sent to mediation very quickly. And that's 21 consecutive days, not business days. So why should the average layperson or the average North Carolina taxpayer care about the DRC and mediation programs? Beautiful thing about mediation is when the program was originally sold to the legislatures in 1991 by a group of interested persons, they they pitched the program um, so that the state would not be on the hook for any of the funding, um, and it would alleviate the backlog in all of the courts, and it would provide for a better solution for the parties because they would be invested in the resolution of the dispute and not just uh, being told what to do by a judge. Um, and in that, the parties were then asked to pay for the mediator. So there is a cost associated with mediation, but it is borne by the parties who are actually in the dispute itself. Um, and in turn, the mediators then pay a fee to the DRC to provide for support staff and for the office and the um, day-to-day responsibilities um, that we do provide to the mediators. In in the The flip side, uh, the legislature decided that if we are going to ask the parties to pay for the mediator, that they would have a choice in who they were going to use as the mediator. So that's the offset. So on our website, we have a wonderful link that is called Find a Mediator. And we have 1,400 mediators in that database, roughly. Um, And the link will allow you to search not only by district, but by area. So you can look for Superior Court or Family Financial or Clerk Mediator. Um, You can also use key search words when looking for mediators to to determine their level of expertise, um, what areas they like to practice in, etc., if they are an attorney or if they're a non-attorney. And that will help whittle down uh, your choices to select somebody who is right for your case. So you mentioned that DRC and the staff were receipt funded. Mm-hmm. Can you describe the inner workings of the DRC, um, the staff that you have and their roles? We are three amazing ladies, um, just happen to be female, but uh, we are amazing. And we all work part time um, and we definitely uh provide an output of probably four individuals working full-time. So we receive 
Phone calls on a regular basis asking ethical questions about mediations or how to handle situations. We receive concerns um, from mediators as to rules or advisory opinions. We receive complaints from parties who are not satisfied with the mediation process or from court staff who are not receiving reports of mediators from the mediators. Uh, We deal with judges and helping them implement their programs in their individual districts. Um, We also... Uh, process all new applications that come through. And we have quite a few uh, mediators that apply for certification on a regular basis. We deal with um, people who are interested in certification. We deal with the trainers and their guidelines. And um, the general public, we get a lot of questions um, from lay people um, asking about the process, what they're getting into, why they're doing it. And we encourage our mediators to send pro se parties our way, pro se parties being um, that they're not represented by counsel, um, because the commission staff, we have a better opportunity and more time to really describe the mediation process and leaving the mediator in a neutral position where they are not spending a lot of time walking or hand-holding somebody through the process. So we, we try to take on that responsibility for the mediators and educating the public as to what we do and how it works, um, which in turn um, allows us to provide them with the statistical information that we love because the proof is in the numbers that the programs are very successful. The commission also has a uh, guide to non-represented parties on our website to help them figure out how to find a mediator. So over the past 18, 24 months, we've experienced a pandemic here in North Carolina. That's not news to anybody. Um, But how has COVID-19 impacted the DRC? Um, It's actually had a huge impact on our procedures and the way mediations are conducted. And I'm very proud um, of the work that the commission has done over the past year and a half and the flexibility of our mediators and that we've had to pivot completely um, 180 degrees to flip our attendance presumption from in-person to remote. So historically, the commission has been very adamant that all mediation should be conducted in person to be able to see the person you're speaking with, get a feel for their body language, have a whole conversation, be able to read the emotion. There's a number of reasons why in-person mediation has always been pushed by the commission. Um, However, uh, COVID changed all of that and changed it very quickly. So now we're at the position of trying to figure out how to move forward and we are investigating um, where the commission will be in the future. Um, But we are are examining all facets of in-person versus remote technology. Well, I've been speaking with Tara Kozlowski and Maureen Robinson, both from the Dispute Resolution Commission. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time on All Things Judicial. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to come in. We had a great time today. And one more thing real quick. As I mentioned, the Supreme Court um, issues our rules. Um, I would like to let everybody know that as of October 1st, 2021, we do have new rules for all of our rule sets that can be found on the Supreme Court's website. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Hi, my name is Tara Kozlowski, and I'm the Executive Director of the Dispute Resolution Commission. And I am honored to be here today with Judge Phyllis Gorham, Senior Resident Superior Court Judge for the 5th Judicial District 
of New Hanover and Pender counties, and the first woman chair of the North Carolina Dispute Resolution Commission. Judge Gorm, how are you today? I am doing great. It is so good to be here. Wonderful. And I understand that you are a recent recipient of a fantastic award. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I was just honored with receiving one of the Outstanding Judges of the Year Award by the North Carolina Association of Women Attorneys. And it is indeed a privilege. That is wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Judge Gorham, can you please tell me a little bit about the Dispute Resolution Commission? The commission was formed to oversee the administration of mediators and mediation training for court-based programs. And how often does the commission meet? The commission meets on a quarterly basis. There are committees that also meet. They meet on a regular basis to discuss rules, regulations, and any other issues that come before them. What are the programs that the Dispute Resolution Commission operates? We have the Superior Court and in your experience, programs. how effective are those programs as a senior resident superior court judge? It is extremely effective. The mediation, the mediated settlement conference program gives the parties the opportunity to mediate the case. It stays out of the courtroom. It frees up the courtroom time for the judges to handle cases that cannot be mediated for one reason or another. Does the mediation process typically interfere with the um, case timeline, or is it something that is that occurs um, in natural progression of the case? There is a scheduling conference that's put together, an order that's put together that the parties have to follow that order, and the mediation is scheduled within that order, so the parties know pretty much when there are supposed to have the mediation done. What do you find most interesting about the process of dispute resolution? The depth of the program itself, the amount of time and attention that is put into the programs, having been on the mediation training committee prior to becoming chair, just the amount of detail, time, attention that is put into making sure that the appropriate programs are being set up for training. The mediators, the applicants who apply for mediation are qualified, um, and any other issues that we have to deal with I found it very surprising just how thorough the program and the commission is put together. And um, how do you feel about working with the other members of the commission? That I love. I, I love the diversity. Um, I love the, um, the robust discussions about the issues that come up during the meetings especially about case law and opinions um, that have to be discussed. I really enjoy the different members that are on the commission. And can you tell me about commission staff? 
I absolutely love the commission staff. I will say without a doubt that the commission would not function effectively without the staff. Um, Judge Gorham, what kind of resources are available to the mediators of North Carolina that are certified by the DRC? There's a website that is available for all the mediators to go on to find different resources. There's video training and all of the types of resources that are on the website. Judge Gorm, can you please tell me about the commission's advisory opinions? There are 42 advisory opinions and mediators can contact the staff if they have questions about an issue that has come about and staff can advise them pursuant to the advisory opinions that are already set forth. And the mediators are free to request that the commission consider particular uh, advisory opinions from issues that come up that have not yet been dealt with by the commission. As I said earlier, the, the detail and attention and concern that the commission has about the mediation and alternate dispute programs, the commission puts a lot of time and attention into making sure that the advisory opinion is appropriate and correct. What is your favorite thing about working with the Dispute Resolution Commission? I, I think that I've said this before. Um, I enjoy the staff. I think the staff is excellent and hands down the best staff that I've ever worked with. And I know that the commission would not function efficiently without the staff. And I also enjoy the commission members working with each of them. Judge Gorham, you are chair of a commission that regulates approximately 1,400 mediators across the state of North Carolina. What would you like to say to those mediators today? I would like to say thank you to each and every one of you for your hard work and your dedication to mediation. Without you, the court system would not work as efficiently because there are many matters that you as mediators take on that never reach the courtroom doors. And for that, I am very appreciative of the mediators across the state of North Carolina. Judge Gorham, it has been an honor and a privilege to sit here today with you. Thank you so much for coming in to speak with us today. It has been an honor to be here today. And I do want to say one more thing. I do want to thank Chief Justice Newby and also Director Heath for their hard work in supporting the commission. I also want to thank the staff once again for their hard work and all of the committed commission members who take the time out of their schedule to meet on a quarterly basis and to assist us with everything that we need. You've been listening to All Things Judicial, a podcast from the North Carolina Judicial Branch. You can find out more about the North Carolina Judicial Branch by visiting nccourts.gov. Thanks for listening.